Good morning to you, church. We're turning now to Acts chapter 20, starting at verse 36, the uh, first six verses of Acts 21. Let's give our attention to this as we worship God. I'll read it for us. And when he, Apostle Paul, had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. These are the elders, the leaders at uh, Ephesus. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They, they embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. And when he had parted from them and set sail, we came by a straight course to Kos, and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patara. And having found a ship crossing to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we had come inside of Cyprus, uh, leaving it on the left, we sailed to Syria and landed at Tyre, for there the ship was to unload its cargo. And having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days. And through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. When our days there were ended, we departed and went on our journey, and they all with wives and children, accompanied us until we were outside the city. And kneeling down on the beach, we prayed and said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship, and they returned home. This is God's word for us today. Thanks be to God. Many cities, many towns, many locations are listed there. But Paul was not alone. It was a we. It was a we. The final chapter of the book of Romans, which some might argue is one of the thickest, deepest, most profound theological works, and of course it is, because it's written by Apostle Paul. It closes with almost every single verse mentioning and greeting someone by name. His affection, his commendation of all these different people, all the way to the end of that chapter. It's obvious. Paul had a network of friends, a network of friends. Three things for us today. First, the company of friends. Second, a common bond for making friends. And then third, closest friend. Okay, three things. Company of friends. Second, common bond. Third, the closest friend. One of the outstanding features of the early church, according to Acts chapter 22, uh, Acts chapter 2, sorry, verse 42 is, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, meals, and maybe also communion here. And then there's this word fellowship. Fellowship. They were devoted to fellowship. What is that? Well, I could tell you in the Greek, it's koinonia. Koinonia. All right, so does that help you? Do you get it now? Because you went into the Greek? Now, in modern English, the best understanding or translation of this is friendship. Friendship. Paul was devoted to friends. The early church was devoted to friendships. You really don't get the life of Apostle Paul, or for that matter, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Unless you see, at least in the life of Apostle Paul, if you read from Acts chapter 9, the moment of his conversion, and then his calling 
to be a witness and a messenger to all the Gentile world from Acts chapter 9 all the way to its end. Just read it in one sitting. Just one day, just read it in one sitting and you will find constant tension, like nonstop threat, narrow escapes, anxieties, heartbreak, troubles, crises after crises, just piling on after one another. It seems constant. There's no way you will not notice that. But what you may not see, what you may not see amidst all of those trials and setbacks is that Apostle Paul was almost always with the company of friends. He was surrounded by friends. He needed friends. He asked for friends. He knew how to make friends. He cultivated friends. Some might say a little bit around middle age, it's a sign of you're being too weak and needy, having you outgrown the need for friends. I would tell you, I hope I could be as weak and needy as Paul. I would argue, next to the Holy Spirit of God, who obviously filled Paul, his greatest strength, his greatest assets, you might even say his skill sets or offerings to the world was his network of friends. Uh, look at Adam in the Garden of Eden. When was he lonely? He was lonely before he sinned. He was lonely before the fall. Meaning, Adam, just like you and me, made in the image of God, you are hardwired to love and to be loved in companionship. Adam... Being lonely and longing for a companion was not a sign of weakness or imperfection. In fact, it was a sign that he had been made in the image of God. COVID did not create, did not create the desperate ache for in-person community. It only exposed it, maybe intensified it. And to this room and maybe to a whole world filled with such baggage now, especially post-COVID. So worn down. So tired, jaded. Disappointed. You've tried this whole relationship stuff, you know. You've really, really tried. And it's just broken your heart. You feel like you're done with it. Never again. Never again. I'm not going to try anymore. But can this pastor... Try to encourage you today. The less you need, the less you want to make, and the less you want to keep, and the less you want to grow real friendships, makes you less like God the Father, makes you less like Jesus the Son, and it makes you less like the Holy Spirit. <laughs> After all, Jesus Christ made 12 friends. Made 12 friends. A comedian said that might have been his greatest miracle at the age of 30 is to make 12 new friends. He made 12 new friends. By the way, my friends, they all let him down. Every single one. But that did not eliminate the humanity 
the neediness and the ache of one Jesus Christ. Company of friends. There are three main we passages in the book of Acts. There's others, but these are the main ones. Who is or who are the we? Acts chapter 16, verses 10 through 17. It's the author Luke. Luke joins Paul from Troas to Philippi. And if you recall some months ago, the first three conversions in the city of Philippi were Lydia, the CEO of a fashion brand, a slave girl who was enslaved and demonized in her heart, and a Gentile jailer. Luke was there with Paul. How about Luke chapter 20, verse 5 to 21, verse 17? Luke joins Paul again, again to Philippi, but this is six years later, most likely 58 AD. And they set sail back together to Jerusalem, which we just read in verse 1 of chapter 21. We set sail for Jerusalem. But in Jerusalem, Paul literally almost gets torn apart. He's beaten so severely his body and flesh is almost torn apart. And then he is in prison. A third main weed passage, Acts chapter 27, all the way to chapter 28, verse 16. Listen, Luke has witnessed, and he's been there, when Paul has been harassed and attacked, people want to kill him. Nothing less, all right? You talk about enemies. They wanted him dead in the worst possible way. Luke has witnessed this before. In his friend Paul, uh, but he continues with Paul and they set sail for Rome. And on the way to Rome, they are shipwrecked. Shipwrecked. But Luke continues to stay with Paul. He goes with Paul. Do not miss the company of friends. I would say I don't think Paul makes it without the company of friends. I don't think Paul finishes the race, follows Jesus, and completes his mission without the company of friends. And I don't think you will either. I know I won't. Company of friends. Second, common bond for making friends. Friendships are forged by something outside of the friends. Friendships are formed by something outside of you and me. I remember when I was a wandering vagrant in my young adult life, single, unattached, through seminary. I traveled through almost every single country in Eastern Europe. It was so easy to have a conversation or to hang out when the subject of U2 came up. U2, it's so easy. Back when they were actually really, really good. It hurts me to say that. They sounded really, really good back then. All over Europe, the subject of YouTube could come up and, well, we almost feel like we're friends and we might hang out. Could be over a restaurant, could be over a book, it could be over a video game. Ah, Christian friends, in the same way, are bonded and they are formed by something outside of ourselves. But namely, it is the common love of God in Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis again. Brilliant observations in a book entitled The Four Loves. If you want to just make friends, you probably won't make friends. Sorry to say that. If you're just needy and you want to have friends 
just for the sake of having friends, it's going to be really hard making friends. Because friendships is always some, about something else besides being friends. There would be nothing for the friendship to be about if it was only about you and me being friends. Here's what C.S. Lewis observed. Quote, Those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. Friendships at the end of the day isn't just about you and me. It's not riddled. You know, it's not like um, constrained. There's all this awkwardness and, you know, tension and self-consciousness. That's all natural and all me and all human beings, yes. But if it just focuses on like, hey, do you like me? You know, do you really like me? Like how much do you like me? Can we constantly assess the condition of our friendship and our relationship? Am I meeting your needs? What can I do better? Or are you really meeting my needs and my expectations? How are we doing? I'm going to suggest to you uh, that is going to nearly destroy a friendship. Because friendships are forged and strengthened by something greater than ourselves. It might free you from that kind of tense self-consciousness. There needs to be a common bond outside of you and me. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. The same Apostle Paul, here's what he wrote. Maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's the bond. There's the bond. Ah. Notice how Apostle Paul does not say create it, manufacture it, come up with it, imagine it. Friendship and love is not man-made ever. It's the origin of the whole cosmos. It actually is the purpose and the end goal of all of history and life. We are called only to maintain it. Why? Because it's given. It's a gift. You ought to preserve it, protect it. You ought to build on it. But Christian friendships, you know the unity that a church should have? That's a given. It's formed and forged and fueled and strengthened. How? By a bond outside of ourself. It's the bond of peace that Jesus Christ brings because of his love for you. Because of his love for you. Company of friends. Common bond for making friends. Last one. Closest friend. Uh, the closest friend. One of the things I love about what Jesus does when he really does come into your life is uh, he kind of like just throws open all the curtains. Okay? He demolishes the door. And you begin to sense and understand and experience the depths and the heart and the richness and the immensity and the beauty of the heart of God for you. Paul says it's hard to put into words. Um, that's what happens when Jesus by the Holy Spirit comes into your life and you walk with him and get closer to him through prayer and through his word. Jesus unveils a kind of relationship with God beyond imagination. Ah, and at the same time, he will plunge you into the hearts of brothers and sisters. He will create and give to you relationships called friendships that are so profound, that's so rich, 
you might feel a lot of times, I don't deserve this. I don't know how I got this. Closest friend. Closest friend. In chapter 21, we hear a warning in Tyre, the city of Tyre. Verse 4, we read it. Don't go to Jerusalem. Please, Paul, don't, don't go there. And then when he moves on to the next town, along with Luke, his friend, they go to a region called Caesarea. And then the Holy Spirit speaks accurately through the Holy Spirit through a prophet by the name of Agabus. Do you remember the message from Pastor Jimmy following Jesus without limits from two weeks ago? And what does Ab Ag Agabus tell Apostle Paul? It's a repeated warning. You know, like in those horror movies, there's one signal, second signal, third or fourth or fifth signal. Like, you should really get out of the house by now. Like, what is wrong with you? All kinds of signals just pile up. It's not well in that house. It's not right. Just move, please. Just get out. Paul is repeatedly warned by Christian people, please don't go to Jerusalem. And Agabus, after our passage, which we just read, in essence says, if you go to Jerusalem, I have a prophecy, you will be bound, and most likely it might be the end of your life. And then Luke summarizes it. He's just summarizing, right? He's not going to tell you everything, but I would imagine there was a lot of yelling, a lot of emotions, a lot of back and forth and begging and pleading and urging and then Paul tells us this himself at the end of that conversation. Verses 12 and 13 of chapter 21. When we heard this, see we, the new Christian friends in Caesarea from Paul that he's going to go to Jerusalem. We and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Paul kept saying, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to insist because the Holy Spirit told me to go. Then Paul answered, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. For I'm ready not only to be in prison, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Friends, Paul says, why are you weeping? Why are they weeping? Do you know they just met? Do you know they just met? Maximum for seven days. I don't know if they argued for seven days. I would argue it's a day. Why are there such affections here? Why are their hearts so tied and bonded together here? And then why does Paul himself turn around? I don't understand why you're weeping, and I don't understand how it could affect that it breaks my heart. Somehow they become really close, really fast. It's by the common bond of the love of Jesus Christ. You know, I've been on a lot of mission trips too. And there's a few people you just meet within one hour. You feel like, I feel like I've known you my whole life. Because Christian friends, forged and bonded by the common love of Jesus Christ, your brains, your values, your worldview, your goals start to align. And I think that's what Paul must have felt with new friends in Caesarea. Oh, now let's go on to verse 14 which you might recall. And since he, Paul, would not be persuaded, they were begging him. They were crying their eyes out. 
okay? They were pouring out their heart, begging, don't go to Jerusalem. We ceased, we stopped, (laughs) and said, let the will of the Lord be done. So most important strategic and difficult decision was made by Paul and by the new friends he had just met. How so? In an open, earnest, heartfelt, mutual exchange. Paul let people into his life and listened to them. And they let Paul into their lives and they listened to him. A reminder from the sermon series on decisions. The Holy Spirit of God does not act like chatbot. The Holy Spirit of God is not an artificial intelligence machine or a robot. The Holy Spirit of God is far more dynamic and personal. The Holy Spirit of God guides and clarifies and leads and protects you and speaks to you personally and in the company and counsel of friends who have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit loves to work. You do not understand the dynamic work of the Holy Spirit if you deny that he is a person who loves to work through persons. So when you have a difficult, enormously challenging, or very important decision to make, of course, listen to Christian friends. You should seek out Christian friends. You should listen to the wise and the godly of your local church. It's remarkable That Apostle Paul himself did this. Isn't it? Apostle Paul who wrote scripture would allow himself to be talked to and begged and urged and pleaded against what he thought was already right. But he heard it all out. He let them in. And he listened to them. Listen to Christian friends. Listen to the church. At the same time, please, my friends, do not listen to someone unilateral. Here's what I mean by that. As much as you should listen to Christian friends, listen to Holy Spirit for people, do not listen to anyone who says something like, well, God only talks to me. You do know that, right? You know the Holy Spirit only talks to me. I alone am right. Everyone else is wrong. I have the inside track. Like, I'm Moses. I'm the only one that goes up to Mount Sinai and I have a revelation from God. Do not listen to that. You should run. Do not listen to anyone who comes with the spirit of, you know, I don't really need to even check my sources. I don't need to hear the other side. I don't need to be corrected. I don't need any further clarifications. My interpretation, my conclusion, my facts, always right. And they haven't even talked to anybody else. You should not listen to that. Because I assure you, that's not church. That's cult. That's a cult. That's cultic. And any kind of cultic spirit that is autonomous, unilateral, I'm above everyone else, will destroy and divide any community, let alone a church. Unilateral. Unilateral. Is this what Paul did? The Apostle Paul. Paul made close friends because he did not dare do life on his own. And he would not lovingly allow other people to do life on their own. He let them in. He listened to them. People let him in and they listened to him. That's how you become close friends. 
But now Luke, how did he become the closest friend to Paul? F.F. Bruce, I've read this before, but I'll repeat it because it's, it's just so, so informative for us. Luke was an Antiochian of Syria, a physician by profession, highly educated, a science guy, by education, worldview, and his current vocation. He was a disciple of the apostles and later accompanied Paul until his martyrdom. He served the Lord without distraction, having neither wife nor children. And at the age of 85, he fell asleep, full of the Holy Spirit. How did Luke, this author, a physician, become and prove to be the closest friend to the apostle Paul? Oh, that one line. He accompanied him until martyrdom. Which, by the way, was moved and led by the fullness of the Holy Spirit. In other words, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you become a friend like this. One of the greatest signs and evidences that you are really a spiritual, Holy Spirit-filled person is the kind of friend you are. Yes, to your spouse or to your children or to people who have no biological attachments to you. Oh, the consistent, committed, lifelong company that Luke afforded to Paul. If you remember in verse 1 of chapter 21, amidst all the travels, all the cities, Kos and Tyre and all the Patara. Well, after a tearful farewell with embraces and kisses to the Ephesian elders in chapter 20, Luke, of course, accompanies Paul on the way to Tyre. We mentioned there's a seven-day layover in Tyre. They call forth and look for disciples. And then there's this one poignant detail that I would love to highlight. In yet another farewell from Caesarea, verse 6, chapter 21, verse 6. And we said, farewell to one another. Then we went on, board the ship, and they returned home. Who's they? The previous verse Luke tells us, they have wives and children at home. Fathers and husbands, you should go home. You should husband and father your children well. That is priority number one for now. They all went home. But who went on board the ship alone with Paul? Because both had forsaken wives and forsaken families for the common love and bond of the gospel going forth. It was Luke alone with Paul. It was Luke alone with Paul. After verse 6, my friends, we just read about Agabus and crying and begging and urging and back and forth. Another prophecy of great suffering and impending certain doom in Jerusalem. Who still goes on with Paul all the way to Jerusalem? Luke. By the end of the book of Acts, Luke accompanies Paul all the way to Rome. But they first have to go through a near-death shipwreck in Acts 27. Oh. Luke stuck by Paul. Luke was side by side by Paul. Luke continued on and on and on and on with Paul. 
Why would Luke befriend Paul without obvious benefits, but the opposite? Would you befriend someone whose life ended up like this and whose life would become your life too? I'll tell you. Luke was a closer friend and he was a better friend because he had the best of friends in Jesus Christ. Luke was only a better friend because he had the best of friends in Jesus. Please invite your friends on Easter Sunday. That's what I'll be talking about. The best of friends who surpasses them all. Jesus. Invite your family and friends on Easter Sunday so that they might be invited to the best and supreme and perfect of all friends. Jesus. I've been studying and preaching for about 30 years. I do not count myself a scholar far from it. I feel like I'm a beginner getting into an intermediate stage now. This last week is the first time One of the first times it dawned on me, um, Luke was probably the closest friend to Paul. I really didn't see it. Did you? And I'm telling you, Luke wouldn't even care. That is astounding. How many people is it common knowledge that the physician Luke who authored this book was probably perhaps the closest friend to Paul because he accompanied him all the way to martyrdom. And I'll tell you, Paul, Luke would not care. Do you know why he did not care? Because he cared much more about Paul. And he cared much more about Jesus and the gospel going far and wide. Luke didn't really care that much about his own name. You and I shouldn't care so much about your name or my name. You shouldn't care so much about your reputation, your health, or your wealth, or your happiness. Do you know why? Because your name and my name doesn't compare to the most glorious name of Jesus Christ. And his gospel going forward as far and deep as possible so new friends can be made by him. This Jesus surrendered as we heard in saying today, a common name that became the most uncommon, unique, glorious, precious name, Jesus the Christ. He surrendered it for you. He laid down his infinite life. He gave up his infinite possessions and riches. All that he is and all that he has for you and for me to make you into his friend. To make you a friend of God. A friend of Jesus, the older brother. And a friend of the Holy Spirit. Let's come to the table now. Let's pray. Father in heaven, lead us here now. Holy Spirit, move us.
explode our hearts, change our lives by the friendship love of the Savior, Jesus Christ. Hear us, we pray. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.